If you've got your Bibles with you, meet me in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. If you're using one of those blue Bibles in the pew in front of you, it is page 1014. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Last Sunday was Easter. You remember that? We were here for Easter last Sunday. Uh, last Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Today, we're going to go to Peter's words from his first epistle, his first letter. Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus. Peter, who was an apostle of Jesus. Peter, who confessed that same confession that you made when you declared faith in Jesus. You said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You said something along that same line. Peter is the first one who made that good confession of faith. Peter confessed his faith in Jesus and then denied Him three times, right? He denied Jesus three times. Peter then ran from the authorities. Later, Peter ran to the empty tomb. Peter saw Jesus raised from the dead. And Peter tells us, he tells all of us, what our faith looks like after Easter. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. Now in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes even though it's tested by the fire, may be found to, re may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want you to notice right from verse 3, everything that Peter tells us in these verses finds its foundation, finds its footing, finds its very beginning in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, as I read this passage, as I was reading it over and over again this week, so much of this passage, my heart and my eyes were drawn to things that I need, things that you need as well. Uh, I need the promise of a living hope. You need the promise of a living hope. Not a hope that only exists if everything works out the way I want them to work out. Not a hope, not a maybe hope, not a if everything works out hope. We need a living hope. Not a hope that gets dashed when there's illness that comes along or when a tragedy comes along, but a hope that is alive because Jesus is alive. And I read that promise in verse 4 to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven 
for you. And I think, man, I need that inheritance. I need that promise. We all need that promise to hold on to. Not just something that holds that we can hold on to, but something that holds on to us. An inheritance that cannot be taken away. You know, you don't have to hide it in your mattress. You don't have to trust a bank that may or may not be there next week. This inheritance cannot be taken away from us. So many promises in this world can be taken away from us, but not this one. I need the promises in this passage, and so do you. But as I read over this passage again and again, it wasn't the promises that caught my attention. Those promises, as great as they are, on any given day, life can go sideways on us. On any any given day, life can go sideways. We celebrated Easter last week. We celebrated the resurrection. We sang the songs. We shouted, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And then in the days that immediately followed Easter, I got a phone call about a friend who is having surgery tomorrow for colon cancer, malignant colon cancer. She'll be having surgery tomorrow to take care of that. and Hopefully everything will be fine. I had another call last week from a friend of mine who's, who's having some heart trouble and was in the hospital for three days this week while they tried to, to fix that. Another friend of mine has some big changes in life coming up. Changes that are going to affect his family, are going to affect his future, and he has some huge decisions. I had a message from a, from a family just yesterday of a young lady who is going through some physical challenges and they don't know where to turn. They don't know how this is going to work out. And all of this in the wake of Easter. All of this after He is risen! All of this after we sang the songs and the hallelujahs. Our hope is alive. Our inheritance is secure. But what about today's pains? What about today's disappointments? Does our faith make any difference in those? That's why my eyes, when I read over this passage, were drawn, my eyes were drawn to a different word. Not, not the living hope, not the imperishable inheritance, but a word that I need today. In fact, it's a simple word. This is a word we use every day. We need to hear it in the face of today's challenges. We need to hear it in the power of our living hope. It's that one little six-letter word, the word though. And you need to hear how Peter uses that word because even though you have a living hope, even though you have a secure inheritance, Today, in the here and now, you've experienced pain that has challenged your faith. Though, it's a little word. It's a little word that reminds us that we live between two different realities. Though is a word that reminds us that two things can be true for us at the same time. Yes, we have a living hope. And yet, Right now, we can still find ourselves in moments of suffering. Yes, we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. It is imperishable. It is unfading. It is secure. And yet, at the same time, you and I are the poor in spirit that Jesus spoke of. Those two realities are there at all times. And the word though stands as proof of the tension that you and I live in every day. 
We heard the word though in our call to worship this morning. Did you hear it there? Psalm 46 verses 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. You hear the confidence. We will not fear. The power of God is there. The truth of His presence. And then, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Forget about the mountains trembling. It's about you and me. We tremble at times. We are troubled and we tremble. There are those moments when you want to hold on to your faith, but life gets so hard. And so Peter writes this recognizing the tension between those two realities in your life. He tells us who we are in verse 5. In verse 5, Peter tells us that we <laughs> that we are under we are by God's power. We are guarded through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. You and I live by God's power. You and I are guarded by faith. And then he tells us about the reality that we experience in this world. Verse 6, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now hear that carefully. He is not saying that God is putting you through these tests. He is not saying that God is putting you through these trials. He is acknowledging the reality that difficult times are going to come. But what Peter is emphasizing is that those times of difficulty, those challenging times, they only last for a little while. Yes, they can feel big. Yes, they can feel overwhelming. But our faith tells us that there is a treasure that's been kept for us. And what Peter reminds us of is that right now, in the midst of these trying times, you have learned to trust God despite your struggles. That's where it begins. With a focus on God, on who He is, on what He has done, and how you trust Him. We go back again one more time to verse 3. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. What has God done? He has caused us. You hear that? He has caused us to be born again. It's a reminder that before anything else, before the struggles that you face, before the tension we live in, God has already been at work in you. And this leads us to the second though that Peter tells us about there in verse 8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. I want to remind you, this is Peter. This is Peter who confessed. Peter who failed. Peter who ran. Peter who had to be corrected. Peter who Jesus had to say, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you, do you even love me? Peter who was still able to fail despite his connection to Jesus, despite seeing the resurrected Jesus, Peter was still able to fail. And he wants us to hear that. The challenges of life will still come, but our lack of seeing Jesus doesn't change the reality of His presence or the love that we can know from Him. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. I think about Job. 
back there in our Old Testaments. I think about the book of Job. Job who lost his health, who lost his home, who lost his children, but never lost his faith. I think about Job who... You and I have read the first chapter. You and I know about this wager between God and the Satan over Job's soul, over Job's faithfulness. Job was never told that. Job never learned about that. I think about Job who in chapter 13, verse 15, says some words that I know have meant an awful lot to people in this church and people in this community. Job who sits down in that moment surrounded by his worthless friends and in Job 13.15 says, Though He slay me, yet I will hope in Him. I will praise Him. I've heard some of you quote that back to me. I've used that at a few very special funerals for people who lived that kind of faith. The faith that saw them through the those. Job's trust in God despite his present circumstances. And here, for you and me on the other side of Easter, that kind of trust reminds us that because Jesus lives, your hope endures. As Peter tells us, it is God who has caused us to be born again. How has God done that? How has God caused us to be born again? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here we are, a week out from Easter, a week later, and everything has changed. With Jesus' resurrection has come new life, has come forgiveness, has come a community of faith and a hope that endures. But here, Peter, as he writes to people who weren't there at the empty tomb, who weren't there when Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection. What does Peter say to them? Again, picking up in verse 8, though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. By the way, that's why, that's why Thomas came to see us last week. You remember when Thomas was here last week? That's, that's why... Thomas came last week. More to the point, that's why John includes Thomas's story at the end of his Gospel because by the time John got around to writing his Gospel, most of those eyewitnesses were gone. The, the, the faithful that were left, the believers that were left were people who had never seen Jesus, who had never had that first-hand experience, who had never been eyewitnesses. They were gone. How could their faith endure what was ahead of them if they had faith without ever having seen. Do you remember what Jesus said to Thomas? I was out last week when He said this, but you remember, right? Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, do you believe just because you've seen? Is that the only reason you believe? Because of what you've seen? And then Jesus talked about us in John chapter 20. Verse 29, He made a promise to you and me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. That's you and me. That's the people that Peter is writing to. We haven't seen Jesus, but He still lives. We weren't there, but we have faith. And because Jesus lives, the hope that we carry endures. There's always going to be that tension for us in life between the living hope that keeps us going, between that inheritance 
that God has secured for us in heaven. And you and I here in the middle, you and I here in the middle, we will find that we're in the middle of those, those. And the question for us is how do we get through the struggles of today without taking our eyes off of the promise of what Jesus has done for us through His death, through His burial, through His resurrection? Way back in the Old Testament, we find a little minor prophet. We call him Habakkuk, or maybe Habakkuk. One or the other will work. We find that little minor prophet of Habakkuk for two chapters. He only gets three chapters. He's only got three chapters in the whole Bible. But for two chapters, all Habakkuk does is complain. He says, God, things are so tough. God, the, it's, it's getting so bad and things are going to, to get, things are just, just so bad. And God's only response to Habakkuk is just you wait. You think it's bad now. You haven't seen anything yet. Hold on to your hat. Things are going to get so much worse. Two chapters he complains. And then in chapter three, that final chapter, he realizes that his complaining hasn't changed the those. His complaining hasn't changed a thing. That's always, the struggles are always going to be there. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, as he wraps up his little book for us. Habakkuk writes, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and though the fruit, nor the fruit beyond the vine, Though the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Though the fig tree should not blossom, though the fruit not be on the vine, though the cancer comes back though the depression never goes away though my marriage ends in divorce though I watch my loved ones slip away day by day by day though there is no cure for autism yet I will rejoice in the Lord we will take joy in the God of our salvation I cannot stop the those from, ha from happening. <laughs> I can't stop them from coming. All I can do is point us to Jesus and remind you that whatever the tension is that you experience, whatever the struggle is that you experience, whatever the pain, Jesus is alive and so your hope is alive. Your inheritance is secure in heaven. Hold on tight. In fact, let's hold on to Him together. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song that reminds us of our Redeemer. And then we'll take together. Would you pray with me? Father, week after week, we recenter ourselves. Week after week, we come back to this table and we remind ourselves of the truth that comes before all other truths. The truth that Jesus gave Himself that He gave His body to be broken, His blood to be shed, that He was buried, and that He raised again. And Father, we come today taking this together. 
not knowing what those we will encounter this week. It may very well be that the earth gives way or that our footing gives way. It may very well be that events come this week that, that pull at us and, and tug at us and, and try to pull us from Your care. And yet our hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And so we come today to remind ourselves that no matter what else we face, first and foremost, Jesus lives. And we will see Him together. Bless this time as we take. Remind us of whose we are and what He's done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.